Amen. You notice I prayed that he gave me the opportunity this morning real quick to, to uh, practice my own lesson. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. okay. Woo, I had to catch myself and say, wait a minute, girl, what did you spend all night working on? Okay, so don't worry. It's all good. You know, be happy. Amen. Sometimes you just got to say that. Don't worry. Just be happy. You know, amen. You know, now if a person that's a, a layman don't even really, I don't know if he knows his daughter or not, but, you know, in the secular world making music can say that. How much more can we say that as children of God? Oh, my, come on now. How much more can we say that? As children of God, don't worry, be happy. Amen? Okay, because we have something and a place to not worry from and a place to be happy. Oh, come on. Let's go to James 1. Let's go. Let's just go on and get into this and see what the Lord is going to say this morning. He's already been, okay, telling me, you're going to come on, get on it, girl. I said, yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> James 1, let's start at 2. Amen. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever. You face trials of many kind. One translation is, is trials of many colors, multicolors, meaning all kind, from one end of the spectrum to the other, meaning all kind. But don't worry. Be happy. Scott Peck begins the book, less, The Road Less Traveled, with the statement, Life is difficult. He continues, this is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once you truly see that, once you truly see this truth, it is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult because once it has been accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. Got that tongue twister? Hallelujah. Meditate on that a minute. Life is difficult. We uh, are born in difficulty. When you transcend your mother's womb, there is trauma in that. There is trauma from leaving a safe, warm atmosphere where you hear the echo of your mother's heartbeat and her voice, and, and, and you are pushed into a world where there's doctors and nurses, and they're pulling on you and prodding on you and poking on you and taking you through tests and taking your blood, and, and, and immediately you are born into trouble. Immediately the enemy comes and he is waiting, lurking for the moment to traumatize you. And I think the older that we get, then we should come to an understanding that we will 
face difficulties. Life is not a bed of roses all the time. Amen. Oh, but it can be, but there are thorns on the roses. Oh, God. I wonder if the person that made that statement were thinking about the thorns also. Trouble and difficulty come to everyone. But without it, you never learn to handle anything. You will never grow. Let's look at the person that is the endurance and distance runner or the one that exercises. I, 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 can I use my daughter? Can I use you for an example? I watched her uh, from one place of being overweight and tired and, and, and worn down and pressed in every direction and when she first went to the class, my other daughter, when she first started lifting weights and they first went to the class, they were like, whew, I can't do this. Five minutes and I'm like, hallelujah, I need to sit down. Because there was a pressing and a, a testing and an endurance that had to develop. And I'm sure it was not pleasant because your body is now troubled by the pressure that is being put on it. But in the pressure being put on it, then the muscle begins to grow. The lung begins to expand to take in more air and we begin to mature. And then the next time we go, we can do 15 minutes. And the next time we can go, we can do 20 minutes. And the next time we go, we can do 30 minutes. Or the first time we lift, we can do 10 pounds. And the second time we lift, we can do 20 pounds. And pretty soon you're, you're bench pressing into the hundreds. And the next thing you know, you're, you're working through your class a whole hour. But you had to trouble your body. You had to trial your body. You had to face being tired. You had to face the pain. You had to face the failure of not being able to do it all the way through the first time. Difficulties will come. They'll come. Live long enough. They'll come. And with the trials that come, it is all determined on how we react to those trials if we cannot worry and be happy. How do you react to the trials in your life? Are you a person that can be happy through the trials? Now, I know we speak about joy. Joy is a wonderful thing. Joy uh, beyond our understanding, that's, that's a, it's a kind of a little different animal, okay, uh, your joy, because we should live in a place of joy. But a lot of times happiness is based on your circumstances. Come on now. A lot of times I'm happy because we are going to Disneyland. I'm happy because it's payday. I'm happy because I'm going to break this diet and eat. I'm happy because my kids are coming over or I am this. Oh, God, I'm just destroyed because we're going to Disneyland. It's going to cost me $1,000 to get my family in the door. Oh, Jesus, my God. How, how do you view things? How do you see it? How do you react to tribulation? How do you react to problems? There are some truths that we need to understand about trials. But don't worry. Be happy. Come on, look at the person next to you. Tell them, don't worry. Be happy. It's all good. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Because we have some truths that will help us move to that place of not worrying. Because really, if you worry, what can you change? 
can you grow another hair on your head? I'm going bald. I'm worried, you know. I'm gaining weight. I'm worried. You know, can you change anything by your worry? No. That's it. Not at all. I was laughing Jesse Duplantis this morning. How many of you know who Jesse Duplantis is? I think he's hilarious. We were laughing this morning because he said that, um, uh, who's the other gentleman? I forget his name. I listened to him too. Jerry Savelle was, was t- uh, kept saying he was taller than him, you know, and that he knew he was taller. You know, he said he, he knew he was lying, so he came back in, and, you know, they stood, and he, and he was taller, you know. And so Jerry Savelle came back in the next day, and he was taller. And he said, good Lord, he said, you have great faith. You grew three inches, you know. But what he didn't know is they went out and bought him platform shoes, okay. <laughs> okay, you know, don't worry, be happy. Come on, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. <laughs> Trials and tribulations are inevitable. You will face them. James said, whenever you face trials, he's letting you know you are going to face trials. God does not leave us without information. Whatever you do, you know you are going to face trials. Jesus said, you will face tribulation. He tells you, you are going to have tribulations in this world. So I wonder why, as Christians, we think once we get saved that everything is supposed to be perfect. Our kids are supposed to be perfect. Our families are supposed to be perfect. Our life is supposed to be perfect. Everybody's supposed to love us. We're supposed to have all the money in the world and nothing's supposed to go wrong because, after all, we're saved now. We're not in the world. I mean, of the world, we're in the world, but not of the world. So Jesus should take care of everything. And we shouldn't go through anything. How many of you got a great awakening and disappointment with that stuff? Amen. Come on. I know I did because I thought everything was going. When I got saved, I was like, hey, it's a free ride now. You know, and I come to find out that I had to do some things. Oh, my God. And then I knew that Jesus and I read that. I said, wait a minute. Jesus is saying I'm going to have tribulation. I don't like tribulation. How many of you like trouble and tribulation? I don't. I don't go looking for it. I try to avoid it every way I can. Amen. I like my life. I tell people I want my life. Peaceful. I like my house. Peaceful. I don't like all that stuff. At all costs, I be trying to keep it peaceful. <laughs> okay, okay. That's my, my, my mantra. Keep it peaceful. Hallelujah. But Jesus said, you live long enough. In me, you're going to have trials. And you're going to have tribulation. There is a purpose in your trouble. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. I'm not going to turn them. It's going to give it to you just to paraphrase. They bring an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Wow. Trials, troubles, and tribulation. If you will let them bring an exceeding. What is exceeding? Way more than you expected. And eternal forever weight of glory. Now, that's the kind of weight I like to put on. Come on. Weight me down, Lord. Okay? But in asking that, I know that I'm going to deal with some trials and some tribulations. But I know that I don't have to worry. I can be happy. They test and develop your faith and perseverance. They test and develop your faith. We are given a measure of faith, all right? But what do you do with that measure of faith? What do you do with the measure of faith? Do you begin to develop that measure of faith? See, when I was younger, I'd read that, well, God gives us a measure of faith. Well, that means I have faith. I'm cool. 
Okay, but as I matured and I began to look at the word, I began to understand that measure is a measurement. And if you can measure something, then you can add something to it. You can make a, 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 a quarter of a cup, a half a cup, a half a cup, three quarters of a cup. You can make it a full cup. You can make it a cup and a half. It's up to you. How much do you want to put into your cup? How much do you want to develop the faith that is within you? It is a measure of faith that he gives us. Now, the testing of your faith develops your faith. Now, when you were in school and you had to take a test did you not study for that test if you didn't you were probably foolish but those of you that went to school and studied did you study for your tests amen and how many of you were so excited when you studied for that test and you got an a or b on that test come on now you were like hey i did it okay i got me an a aced it okay look mom i aced that i got it going on you felt good about that a So you have to understand that when you start to develop your faith, you begin to feel good about where you are moving to. You begin to develop the the ability to don't worry and be happy. You begin to develop your faith because you know God is working perseverance in you. He is working in you. He is developing you. He is testing what is put in you. So not for him because he already knows, but it's for you. You take the test so that you know that you understand the material. Yes. So that you know you got it. I got the test. I passed the test. That means I know it. I'm getting an A. I'm moving on to the next grade. Amen. Same thing in the word. You take the test. You get promoted to the next grade, to the next level. But how many of you understand new levels, new devils? Oh, come on. Come on. So don't worry. Be happy. He's developing perseverance in you. He's developing you to grow and to be everything that you need to be. Troubles will help you be able to stand under pressure without collapsing. How many of us are under so much pressure? pressure in our life that sometimes you just want to scream. Everybody is pulling on you. Everybody is asking you questions. Everybody needs you. You got to go to work. You got to provide. You don't feel all that great. Your emotions are all over the place, but you got to do this. You got to lift that one person up. You got to prop up that other person. Everybody, especially if you're a mom, I think we deal with a certain amount of pressures in different areas. Men deal with the pressures of their home and keeping their home stables and their children and all those things. We deal with the pressures of our families and our emotions and, and keeping them together and, and being hurt and all the things that go on and the pressure begins to mound and mound and mound on you and then you're trying to do things for the Lord and then the pressure comes in even more because the devil doesn't want you to do anything for Jesus and so he piles it on even more and what it does is it begins to teach you if you will stay under the word of God it begins to teach you not to collapse and just fall apart under pressure I watched one of my daughters couldn't handle much of anything in her life and and promotion after promotion as she began to seek the Lord and she began to grow and she began to trust God and now I see her in a place with so much pressure on her. I'm thinking, girl, you're doing good. Because I remember when you would throw up your hands and scream and walk out the door. Pressure. Where you can stand under it. <clears throat> and people know that you're a rock. And that no matter what, you're going to get the job done. You're not going to collapse on them. You're not going to break. You're standing in Christ. And they see an ability in you to don't worry and be happy. Trials come. Pressure comes. Trouble comes. Oh, but we can stand. Warren Wiseby says, Our values determine our elevation. 
if we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter, not better. Wow, what a statement. I want character. I want to be better and not bitter. I want to not worry and be happy. I want to grow. I want anything that comes against me to help me to be more of what God called me to be. Oh, God. Thus, the song <clears throat> that we had played during the greeting time, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Here's just a little bit of the song. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing a note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life, we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Ain't got no place to lay my head. Somebody came and took my bed. Don't worry. Be happy. The landlord says your rent is late and me, he may have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Just a little bit of that song. And like I said before, if somebody in the world can sing a song like that, how come we can't? I love that the missionary was saying that in dealing with the African people, uh, that, that, you know, the, she says they, they start the meeting at 7, and they get there at 8, you know. I forget the word he used, but, but their whole attitude is like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, it's all good, don't worry. And they're happy. Don't worry. They're happy. <laughs> you know, no big deal. He says the meeting is getting started, and you can look out, and they'll be over at the coffee shop having a little sip of coffee. And it's 7.30, and they just come in all happy, ready to praise and rejoice in the Lord. They're not worried. They're just happy. Amen? And he said he had to learn not to let that uh, worry him, not to let that upset him, that he had to learn that the people are just kind of carefree, that, hey, and they love the Lord, and we're here. Don't worry. The meeting will get started. We'll praise God. It's going to be good. <laughs> don't worry be happy <laughs> and listen God does not tell us to just grin and bear it he really doesn't he doesn't tell you listen everything's going wrong life is hard the devil is attacking you now all I want you to do is just sit here like a little robot and just say praise the Lord he, uh, everything's great praise God no I'm not sick everything's wonderful no, I'm getting evicted. I did. It's awesome. Everything's wonderful. He's not telling you to just grin and bear it. He gives us strategies on how to handle trouble. He gives you a strategy on how to handle trouble because he knows we're in a fallen world. He knows that bad things happen to good people. He knows that the enemy is going to attack you 
because you are his. And what he wants is to take that word out of you and to make your life miserable. And so he gives us strategies as to how to live a joyful, happy, full life in the middle of tribulation. How many of you have friends that it just seems like no matter what happened, they're just laughing and happy. Uh, I can think of one, Liz and I, Mary, okay? I, that girl, she used to aggravate the heck out of me, okay? Because crazy stuff could be going on. She's just laughing and, you know, and joking. And, and I'm like, girl, your world is like toe up crazy. She goes, I know. <laughs> I know. She's she just laughing and joking and cooking and carrying on. And I'm like, oh, you know? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was just the way she had mastered living joyfully. Did she not? She just mastered living happy. You know? And, and, and I would just look at her at awesome time and like she had like what eight kids? Eight kids? Eight kids. Hallelujah. She always happy. Always happy. I just I loved her. At the same time I wanted to choke her. <laughs> Now I'm going to give you one of the strategies and then I'm going to leave you with a story and then we'll move on to the next strategy. One of the strategies is live joyously. Life is difficult. Suffering is inevitable, but misery is an option. Man, I had to sit back on that one. Man. I was telling my husband, I said, I know God asked me to preach this. I said, but I kind of feel like a hypocrite because I haven't mastered this yet. You know, I'm just going to be for real. Y'all pray for me. I'm working on it. He's mastered it. (laughs) I want to choke him sometime. He's mastered it. (laughs) Not yet. I'm still working on it. Still work. So certain statements really hit me. You know, like, misery is an option, okay? Yeah. But the tribulation I walked through worked a joy and a happiness in me that I didn't have before I walked through it. Let me just share that with you. So if you'll let it, it will help you grow. Now I'm going to tell you a story. Dealing with live joyously. Two men, they were, they were seriously ill. It was two of them, and they were in the same hospital room, a sterile, white hospital room. No pictures, no wonderful things around you, no real color, just a hospital room. How many of you have been in a hospital room, and you know that they're just not very beautiful? I think they're working on it now because they understand the better your environment is, the better you heal. But most hospitals are just very sterile. They're white the curtains may have a little ugly print on them but that's about it and they give you these horrible gowns to put on and you know you're put in a bed that's really not that comfortable and you're just there you're in the hospital and these two men were were very ill and they were in the hospital and 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 just day after day having to be there and one of the men as a part of his treatment was allowed to uh, sit up in the bed for an hour in the afternoon in order to drain fluid from his lungs. And, and so his bed was next to the window, and the other man had to spend all of his time flat on his back because, you see, the disease that they were diagnosed with uh, caused them that they had to lay flat and they had to be completely quiet. They couldn't really talk a whole lot, and they had to be still, and their surroundings had to be quiet, so they weren't allowed visitors in that white, sterile 
uncomfortable bed in that room. They couldn't have radio. They, they couldn't have the TV. They just had to lay there, the one flat on his back, very still, because this is what the illness caused it, him to have to do. And the other gentleman had to lay flat on his back, except for one hour, maybe a little longer a day, where he was sat up every day. And every afternoon when the man in the next bed, sitting in the window, he was sat up for that hour. And when he sat up in the bed, he would begin to talk and he would say, there's a park here. There's blankets of beautiful green grass and it's just like a carpet and it's just laid out so beautifully. There's a lake with beautiful crystal blue water and there are ducks and geese and they are swimming on the lake. And Oh, there's a little boy, he's fishing. Oh, he caught a fish. He caught a fish. Oh, wow. And, 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 and there's a path and, and down the path, he says, oh, look, there are two lovers they are holding hands and they're, they're walking along the path. They look so much in love, kind of what I felt when my wife and I had our beautiful times together and I was well and we could walk and we could hold hands and we could gaze into each other's eyes. Oh, it's Easter. Look at all the beautiful little dresses. All the little boys are in their cute suits. They're having an Easter egg hunt. Oh, the beautiful, there's yellow dresses and there's blue dresses. Oh, and there's polka dotted dresses and there, there's white dresses. And oh, the men are dressed in their blue suits and in their white suits. And, and the women are in their beautiful Easter dresses and they're walking along in the park. They're having so much fun. They're having a picnic. Oh, they're playing baseball. They're playing baseball. The teams are coming together. They're getting ready to play. Oh, the little boy, he struck out. He looks so sad. But his mom came and gave him a kiss. He's so happy. They're riding bikes. It's so beautiful here. And as you look out over the lake, there's a tree line. And over the tree line, there's the skyline of the city. It is so beautiful. The sun is bright. The clouds are parted. And it's just a beautiful day. And every day he would... He sat up in the bed and he would talk of these things while the other man laying flat on his back would listen and listen and listen. And one day the man spoke of a parade. There's a parade. Oh, look at the band and the dancers and the floats of flowers. It's beautiful. It's so lovely. And the man in the next bed began to think, well, how come I can't be over there? How come I don't get to sit up? How come I don't get to see out the window? How come it's not? I should be able to have that same joy. I should be able to have that chance. I should be that one. And he felt ashamed. But the more he tried not to think of it, the more he thought of it. And the more he thought of it, the more ill he became. And he was sick and he tossed and he turned and he became more and more ill. Mm. And one night, as they lay to go to sleep, and they both fell off to sleep, he heard this noise. <laughs> and he listened, and he turned his head, and he looked over, and he was coughing, and he was grasping, and he was reaching for the button to call the nurse. And he watched. And he continued to guess. <laughs> and all of a sudden he heard. <sighs> and 
And then the silence pierced the darkness. And he said, not a word, laid very quietly. The next morning, the nurse came in, the morning nurse came in and, good morning, how are you? He said, I'm well. Went to the next bed and he had died during the night. And so they rushed in and they take the body out, no big fanfare, just rushed him out. And so the man in the other bed said, he just waited and thought, and he said, well, I think there's been enough time, you know, to, I won't look too callous. Uh, nurse, can you move me in the bed next to the window? And the nurse said, well, I guess we can do that. And so they moved him and they made him very comfortable and they said, now you need to lay and you need to be quiet and you need to be still and you need to stay flat on your back. And so they moved him, he got him comfortable and he was all set up and there was the window, that window with all of the beautiful things that were going on. He was finally there. And when the nurse left, he, he and he pulled himself up and he got up on his elbow and he reached over really high to look out the window and he, what? It was a brick wall, a brick wall. And so it is concluded, some people always seem to face a brick wall, and yet they know a beauty and a joy in the midst of their pain that is enriching. As a result, they make life come alive for those around them. They cultivate a joyful attitude. Do you live joyfully? Live expectantly. God gives and wants to give. He gives to all who ask of him. We can expect good things from God. Don't worry. Be happy. We have a great expectation. Amen. When Jesus died and went to the cross for us as we taught in our last sessions that we had in the series there is benefits to being saved there's benefits to being in the family when you live with an expectancy that things are going to work out I am working on this your pastor has this down I'm telling you but I'm like the sky is falling chicken little the sky is falling the sky is falling oh the sky is falling and he's like don't worry be happy it'll be all right God's got us he's taking care of it or like no it's not the sky is falling the sky is falling you know How many of you, yeah, come on now, I ain't the only one, come on, okay. <laughs> Y'all sit out there, oh yeah, come on now, okay, all right. And, and I forget that I have an expectation that I should have, that I have a good father, I, ha- I serve a good God, and that there are benefits in being in his family. And sometimes I forget to live expectantly. I forget to say, you know what? I know God's working it out. I know that all things work together for the good of those that love him. I know he's working it out. I know that I should expect that this is going to bring me to a higher and a better level than what I am in when I start walking through this, 
that God has got it. He is in control of things in my life. He knows what path I'm going to take. Yes, I have a choice, hallelujah, but he is guiding me every step of the way so that I could take the right path. And even when I take the wrong path, his mercy endureth forever and he will take me and he'll lead me back to the right path so I can come to an expected end. And my end is a good thing because I have heaven. Come on now. And so I'm still learning that, but I'm learning to live expectantly. I'm learning to live and and, and believe and dream again and expect for good things to happen because he's a good God. You've got to get these principles down or the devil will beat you up and you will not have the ability to don't worry, be happy. Oh God, live submissively. Whoa. What? Submit to who? We hate that word. Hate that word. But, but the, the, the issue is this. We submit to God. If you learn to submit to God and his ways, we don't want to submit to God and his ways. Oh, God. And I could name a few ways we don't do it when he says not forsaking the assembling together with the brethren. We come when we want to. We stay home when we want to. That's not submitting to God. I understand things come up and we have to do things. But in a submission to God, you move towards him. You move towards the things that he has told you to do. He said, be a tither. You move towards those things. You may not be able to do it right now, but you position yourself to move towards that. You grow up. You're submitted to what he says. No, not all the time is it comfortable. No, not all the time do I like it. No, not all the time when he tells me to go apologize and I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I was not wrong. Not doing it. Refuse to. Then I'm out of submission to him. I haven't submitted to him. If he tells me, if he tells me, you know you got that money in your purse. I want you to give. I'm like, dude, this must be the devil Satan get behind me because I've been saving for my purse and I'm going to get my purse. I'm making plans. I got a shopping date set up. We're going to get my purse. But he says, submit unto me. I got something better for you. I got something better for you. Can you submit to my will? Can you submit to my plan? Can you submit under what I'm asking you to do? I don't want to do that. God, I don't like that. But he's saying, but I want you to do this. Submission to his will, that we trust him, that what he is asking us to do will benefit us in the long run. It may hurt initially, okay? It may be uncomfortable initially, But you have to submit to the weight of the class that you take. You have to submit to pushing up the weight. You have to submit to that. You're pushing it. You're giving that. You're pushing it. And you gain from that. The moment you submit is when you do this. I'm in the class. The instructor says, do this. I'm going to submit to that. I'm going to do this. Do you hear what I'm telling you? When God asks you to submit under his will and under his ways, there is a blessing 
that comes in that. There is a trust that we build. There is a trust that you build that even though you go through trouble and tribulation, even though things don't always work out the way you want them to, that in the long run, he's taking all of that and he's putting the puzzle together. And we're this piece of the puzzle and he's working the puzzle around us. And unfortunately, we're here and he's here. And we're looking here and he's looking here. And so when we submit to him, we allow him to begin to put all the pieces together. And then we look around and we're stronger and we're better and we're more blessed than we ever were before. But sometimes it's uncomfortable to submit. But if you want to be happy, you learn to submit. So if you will commit to him, God, you will find the grace you need to handle all the demands of life. His wisdom is available to you. When you submit to him, his wisdom is available to you. He gives you grace in the middle of the storm that you come out on the other side entirely wanting nothing. If you submit and live submissively to God, you are in a position to not worry and be happy because the moment you do that, it's in his hands, not yours. Oh, God. <clears throat> Live humbly. Wow. When I first read it, I stopped reading. <laughs> okay, okay, because I'm like, dude, okay. I ain't living in a little shack, okay. You know, but does your mind kind of go there sometimes and say, humble, humble, I have humble means, you know. That's not what he's talking about. It's not what he's talking about. You know, if you're blessed and you have a lot, part of the thing with money is money always makes you more of who you already are. Okay, that's the step. Money always makes you more of who you already are. So if you're greedy and you're mean and you're self-centered, money will just make you a big, rich, greedy, self-centered person. Okay, if you're kind and you're generous and you're loving, then money will make you a kind and generous giving rich person. So that's not the issue. To live humbly is to say, I am submitted to God. I know that everything I have, that God gave me the ability to achieve it. Not that it didn't come with hard work. Not that it didn't come with diligence. Not that it didn't come with heartache. Not that it didn't come with trouble. But you know that you would have never made it through without his help. And so in your gains and in your positioning and in your moving up and in your having, you humble yourself under the hand of God and you let people know, hey, you know what, if it wasn't for the Lord, you give him the glory and he shares his glory with you. Woo, I love that. You give him the glory and he shares his glory with you. Come on now, that's an awesome God that he's willing to share his glory with you. So you live humbly, not trusting in yourself, not trusting in what you have, but you trust in him. And one of the ways to live humbly before the Lord, the most humbling position you could ever get in is on your knees or prostrate before the Lord. And so we find ourselves wanting to come to a place of prayer, coming to our knees and saying, I am nothing without you. There is no joy without you. Worry consumes me without you. My happiness is fleeting 
without you. And so you humble yourself and you bring all of that in prayer to him and he will lift you up. It's like a child that falls and the Holy Spirit comes and gently wraps his arms around you and stands you back on your feet, dusts all the dirt off of you. Says, okay, now get out there, do it again. You can do it. Humble yourself before the Lord, my God. So in all of these things, we can face life with a steadfast courage. Because Jesus said, I come that they might have life and a joyful life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Man, I want a life that is so full, so abundant. Jesus came and he said, I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Grab a hold to that because when you grab a hold to that, you begin to understand that worry has no purpose in your life, but faith does. You begin to understand that happiness is a place that God wants you to experience every day, not just joy, but he wants you to experience the laughter happiness. Why do you think his word says laughter doeth good like a medicine you laugh when you're happy yes you laugh well the laughter doeth good like a medicine he made your body where it releases endorphins into your body that are actually healing agents to your body when you're happy and you're joyful and you're laughing and you look at things from a different perspective not a doomsday perspective but from his perspective that I got a good end and a good purpose in your life and I am working everything to your good so you don't have to worry you can be happy and you can walk through every situation, you can walk through it all, and you can find that place of happiness in him and through him. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. And I'm going to leave you with this last statement. Blessed is the word for genuine happiness. Wow. <laughs> so when you are saying, I'm blessed, you are saying, I am genuinely happy. What is genuine? The real deal. You know when you say, it's a genuine diamond. <laughs> Certified. Hallelujah. <coughs> I got carrots. Hello. Okay. Come on now. He says, in other words, he's saying, I have put you on the, pot the, the potter's wheel. I have shaped you. I am molding you. I have poked you. I pulled on you, I have taken you, I put you in the fire, and I brought you out, and you are a vessel worthy of my use. I'm genuine. And they have stamped me on the bottom. It's all good. I don't, you don't have to worry. You can be happy because you know it works. Come on, people. Hallelujah. I bless your name this morning, Lord. Don't worry. Be happy. Every time the devil tries to put something on you, just tell him, devil, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to be happy. I know it's, it is what it is. I know what it is, but I know who I serve. I serve a great God. And so I just want to challenge you to take this with you today and live joyously. Oh, God, yes. live joyously. Live expectantly, live a submissive life to his will, and live humbly, but most of all, live blessed.
live blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. I praise you. I thank you, Lord. And I pray that this word has blessed you and will God will just use it to uplift you. And Hallelujah. don't worry. Be happy. Amen.